you can feel free to epistemologize the questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah no problem. Feeling a little bit inadequate yeah. about their PhD, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> this PhD was on photosynthesis. <laughs> yeah. But if you're saying, for example, none of them are correct, but the whole umma was wrong, or, or no, something obviously, like, this, like you, know? you know, you see what I mean? So like five prayers in a day. Yeah, yeah. Last written. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking to different charities, the majority of the money that they raise is zakat. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. Well, it makes sense for you because your name is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because some people have this sense of if you start thinking, it's dangerous. If you stick to the texts, it's safe. And what I try to impress on people is all of sacred knowledge is dangerous. There were people who would speak to SubhanAllah. They'd have huge houses, lots of nice cars, going on lots of holidays. Yet their zakat actually, by a technical definition, would be zero. Assalamualaikum Ramadan Mubarak everyone I'm really excited about today's podcast But a quick message before we start If you're anything like me You'll probably leave giving sadaqah every day in Ramadan Right to the last minute right And then all of a sudden you can't find a link on your phone to donate or whatever Sound familiar? Well we just put our Ramadan appeal fundraising thingy Right up on the top of our screen on Islam Trinancy On every page So you can quickly tap and give sadaqah But as it's a new feature, you can just do me a favor right now and check it's working properly. Just all you need to do is make a donation under £100 and send up a monthly donation. Uh, let me know in the comments below when the money leaves your account. No refunds are yet. But seriously, we've all got a massive chance to multiply the reward for each donation that we make to the Trinity up to 700 times. So please be generous and remember this is a unique reward. Every donation is not only an ongoing sadaqah jari for you, but inshallah it spreads into so many different projects that you'll get a share in inshallah. The demos for the impressed, national campaigns, film productions, articles, national khutbah days, shows like this and so much more. I'm fed up of hearing that more and more Muslims are losing their confidence to live by Islam because they think it's not relevant anymore. This is why Islam 21C, which stands for Islam in the 21st century, was set up to counter this soul-destroying issue, which can ultimately lead Muslims into the hellfire. It's that serious. Look, I'm going to make a donation right now to start us off. The links in the description below and on Islam21C.com. Bismillah. Join me and enjoy the show. Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters. Welcome back to another episode of the Unscripted Podcast. We're on our brand new set. MashaAllah, let us know uh, how you're finding it in the comments below. Um, we have with us Sheikh Dr. Sohail Hanif and uh, our good old fashioned uh, former co host, uh, Omar Suleiman. MashaAllah. Omar, how's, how's it going? Alhamdulillah, it's you, good. You've, uh, what everyone wants to know is you wear glasses now. When did that happen? <laughs> Well, it's been happening for a while. <laughs> just never I just wore never them. noticed. Just never wore them uh, <laughs> online. Yeah, yeah. Omar, of course, he's you know he's the uh, general manager of Wahid Invest in the UK now. Mashallah, Tawarakallah. So someone kicked me yeah. out of the job here, so, so we, I had to find other he had honest employment. The, he had to take the, the, the a demotion. <laughs> but our uh, a special guest today is uh, Sheikh Suhail Hanif. Mashallah, Tawarakallah. He is uh, the CEO of NZF National Zakat. Foundation. Salam alaikum, Sheikh. Alaikum How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, very, very good. Thank so, I'm um, really excited to talk to you. We've been on the cards for a while uh, to meet. And I just found out before we started recording, um, probably the most Im- interesting and important thing about you, uh, which Perhaps. is you're an Imperial College alumnus. Yes. So, mashallah. Like, uh, 
yeah. like yourself like many many fine people uh, you know across the world <laughs> guy behind the camera as well yeah. uh so yeah I, I mean i just wanted to uh take this opportunity for us to get to know you a bit and the audience as well and i'm going to be implementing something that uh uh i can make made up myself which is called a rapid fire questions <laughs> I've seen oh. these on TV and I'm quite scared. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Omar made them up when he used to be the co-host. Oh, right. yeah, so. I'm not around anymore yeah. to challenge yeah. him. So just like <laughs> take, taking credit, that. taking I credit I for my work. The truth now. <laughs> so, I mean, Omar made this thing up, and now everyone started doing it, isn't it? Yeah. So, so it's, it's just a few questions, and I just um, noticed, just looking back at this, that. They're almost all about food. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, I added a few last minute ones. So oh you know how goodness. it goes. Um, if you get the answer wrong, then uh, no, I'm just kidding. There's no wrong answers. You just, you know, first thing that pops into your head tea or coffee? Coffee. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Snuck wrong out. We'll just edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite food? It's a, it's a bit of a neither, to be honest, but neither. Okay, yeah. we do good a bit save, more coke than Pepsi. It's a seven up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seven. Okay, yeah. you don't uh, have to. You can seven up. You can challenge uh, the question as well. You know, Bacola. these are. I was trying to get through them quickly, yeah. but I'm very happy to <laughs> philosophize. You can uh, philosophize. Yeah, I mean, your PhD subject was in the. I wrote it down actually. It's quite. I mean, this is unscripted, but. I have to write things, certain things down because they're good phrases. Your PhD was in Islamic legal epistemology. Yeah, mashallah. Okay, but how you pronounce I that? completely know <laughs> what that means, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you can you can feel free to you know challenge the questions, epistemologize the, the questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah no feeling a little bit inadequate yeah. about their PhD, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> this PhD was on photosynthesis. <laughs> yeah, a PhD envy going on there. <laughs> <And> <laughs> If I get the chance, I'm going to ask you about yeah, it today. Exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm always uh, happy to talk about uh, such an illuminating subject. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, biryani or naan? Biryani, of course. Okay, mashallah. Uh, cake or gulab jamun? <laughs> cake. Football or cricket? That's a tricky one, you know. Mo Salah brought me back into football. I had a long time away from football. I know who that is. Mo Salah was like a bridge. Like if you're yeah. into football, you become religious. If you're into yeah. religion, you become into football. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, uh, like an odd bridge there. But otherwise, would have been cricket, watching cricket. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, final question. Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? <laughs> uh, absolutely, Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got them all right. Mashallah, yeah. so... Uh, right, you you you. Does he get some, by the way? Do you want Do you want some? I've done. I mean, you've done you've you've before. probably s laid awake, <laughs> you know, <Sweating>. at night <laughs> thinking, what would my question, what would my answers be? What, what, what would my answers be today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was looking at back at these, uh, I thought, you know, these these would change every day. Depends how I feel. Yeah. Uh, what I've had for lunch. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. But uh, Omar, yeah, how's uh, how's life? Busy. You're you're so you're the general manager of Wahid Invest now. That's correct. Yeah, and this is not a pod. Is this pod? Is this sponsored? No, it's not. And you're not going to so get sponsored by mentioning it either. <laughs> that's the last <laughs> we're going to hear about that. Then uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't invoice me for it. <laughs> so, Wahid Invest, uh, really good 
etc etc alhamdulillah halal investing and they're going to be donating 1000 pounds to the person who <laughs> yeah uh quickly think of something that yeah. we want to do and another one i did that on stage once at um uh, one of the family events yeah i was doing some game show with the audience and i was like first prize uh, 10000 pounds donated by <laughs> by the invest they're like no 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 <laughs> okay not sponsored Hashtag not sponsored. Right. Uh, so Sheikh uh, Sohel, he is the, uh, of course, the, the head of NZF. And Omar, you, you've been talking to him in the past as well. Uh, NZF, National Zakat Foundation, Wahid Invest, finance-related stuff, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Sadaqah's a charity, uh, charitable organization. Having these two minds on together, uh, got some interesting kind of uh, things I want to wanted to get off my chest and also just you know question to ask uh, both of you uh, sure. about your thoughts about certain areas but before before we crack on like i said uh, we've done the rapid fire but let's uh, kind of delve into your biography a bit more i got your biography from uh, mahboob shout out and uh, he he sent it over it's very very impressive mashallah tabarakallah i don't want to kind of praise you to your face but I mean, I already mentioned the the kind of pinnacle of your yep. your your life so far, and that is being at Imperial College. And um, uh, funny don't thing, talk about that much enough now. Uh, m- m- most people don't know this, and and you know, you're welcome. But he did like the the hardest degree at Imperial College, It's like two degrees. Mahmoud thinks his degree was the hardest one. Word on the street was <laughs> it was between information system engineering, which is yeah. what I did, and between aeronautical, which is what that gentleman did. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, T- judging by what they've gone on to, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it there. So, <laughs> information te- information system technology is basically a computing degree and an electronic engineering degree yeah. rolled into one. So, it's two degrees. It's you know it's destroyed and many many young. Engineering is when the air hostesses put the bags <laughs> in the locker, isn't it? That no, it's <laughs> when they. I think it's when you have get, to break the boxes yeah. in, yeah. make sure they can fit it right. It's like Tetris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously it adequately qualified you for being the CEO of Zakat uh, organization. Uh, I'm not one to <laughs> talk about <laughs> people's qualifications matching their, their their job at the end of the day. But mashallah, you went from there. You went. Uh, you studied mashallah tawarakallah. Uh You studied in I think Jordan, yep. the Middle East, Jordan, um, for over a decade, mashallah tawarakallah. Uh And your PhD. In Islamic legal epistemology, won the Islamic British Islamic Studies Prize for best font or something using <laughs> PhD or longest title. <laughs> <laughs> the British Islamic Studies Prize in 2019. This new segment is called the Voice of the People. We asked uh, our viewers at home and in random places uh, in public life uh, to give us some messages for us to uh, play on the program and uh, obviously maybe maybe comment on if, if you find it interesting. This is from a young brother. I think he's, uh, his name is on the screen. I forgot his name right now. Um, but he was asked by one of our uh, team members, you know, what, what advice do you have for your peers? You know, uh, Not peers, your peers, <laughs> people of a similar age. Yeah. And I thought his answer was quite uh, good, so let's have a listen. Um, if I'm being honest, I think um, something that's very um, 
uh, common nowadays is that people aren't proud of their identity as a Muslim. For example, not being like you know arrogant or anything, but I'm proud to be an, um, an imama, and it's something that you know I take uh, you know I take pride in because it's a sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And I feel like a lot of people they'll copy a lot of uh, non-Muslims and they'll be influenced by their friends in college. And obviously, there's not you can be influenced positively in college, but um, I feel like. A lot of people, especially nowadays, can get affected very negatively by the influences in college, and especially university. And um, I feel like you got to be proud of uh, where you come from and who you are as a person. I was really proud of that uh, young brother, Mashallah. Really, Zakmla Khairan, bro, for uh, you know that that inspiring uh, little message. Um, yeah, uh, gave me gave me a bit of a boost of, mm-hmm. of hope, you know, of the young uh, young brothers and sisters out there. So tell us about your journey. Just you know, your your Imperial College. Your, w- did you always want to go and study uh, knowledge in a traditional sense? Or? Yeah. So I guess I'll I'll give the I'll try and give the short version because mm-hmm. there is a long one as well. <laughs> you have to pay extra but for that. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the uh, short one was I think before starting my degree, I went on these uh, intensive summer programs mm-hmm. on Arabic and uh, Islamic studies. So they. Kind of, obviously, you're young, impressionable, 17-year-old. So that experience before university, mm. I think, charted out the course for the rest of my life, whether I like it or not. It was even during Imperial, sure. the truth is I didn't know what they were talking about. I just knew who to get the notes from and when the <laughs> exams were and what you have to do. It's, it's yeah. probably project management at the, like, the most advanced level, <laughs> working backwards from the exam to yeah. know how to... Uh, how to pass. So all of my free time in Imperial was about learning Arabic and related oh, matters. Um, so post-degree, yeah, going to the Middle East was something I'd been thinking about for a while. And um, I was there for much longer than the original plan. I told my dad it was a few years. It became 12. <laughs> you have to lay it on year by year. That's a message for the kids yeah. watching at home. Yeah. You don't say, Dad, I'm going for 12. <laughs> and I'll see you next year. And... Um, yeah, so I did some full-time study for a couple of years, and I started working. Uh, the, there was a very new Arabic school that started called Qasid, so I, I was there as an Arabic mm. grammar teacher. Um, it grew to be the leading study abroad uh, center now for for Western wow, universities, so it's doing really well. So it's a uh, it was a it was an Arabic school. It was Arabic for, for non-natives, for non-native, non-native speakers. So ASOL, uh, <laughs> like ASOL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Arabic as a second Yeah, yeah. No need so to be offensive. Yeah. So I, w- I was there for, I, I worked there for about five years actually, teaching Arabic grammar. Oh Arabic sure. grammar, yeah. Arabic grammar is the proper engineering equivalent <laughs> of studying <laughs> a language. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. that's that that's the direct link, mm. I think, information systems and grammar. Wow. Mm. And uh, then I went on to uh, a place, uh, on it was, the, again, the pioneer of online education at the time, which is an mm. institution called Sunni Path which later on was mm-hmm. called Qibla. So I did online Islamic studies teaching there, Quranic studies and, and uh, fiqh studies. That was before studies. the days of Zoom. That was before Zoom was invented. <laughs> yeah, a guy yeah. from Imperial actually, yeah. very, very nice gentleman called Ismail Ramzan, shout out to him as well. He designed the whole interface before there was Zoom and before there was anything else. It was a nice pioneering you know, mm. online education experience. Um, at the latter part of my time in Jordan, I think I spent time with... Uh, teachers who sort of combined a traditional approach with an academic, critical research sort of approach. Mm. Uh, That impressed me a lot and it kind of um, moved my world a bit and I wanted to sort of be in their space. And that's kind of what 
uh, made me want to be in a research environment. Mm. I was very happy at the time to do it in Jordan, except that they'd make you do the bachelor's all over again. And after oh, doing okay. Imperial, I would go back <laughs> and do another bachelor's, master's, PhD. Mm. And so then the, the, that was the beginning of my journey back here again. And so... My, um, I'm going into the long version. I'm sorry. That's good, that's good. I, I just uh, don't know how to. Want to hear. <laughs> how we can to cut it out if it's boring. Shortify <laughs> the uh, story here, yeah. but uh, it was a quest for meaning about what it means to study within a knowledge tradition. It was because mm. I guess a very traditional approach. I mean, I was seeing a lot of textualism being passed off as traditionalism, but the idea was there was something deeper here, and mm. it was just a quest to kind of make a theory for it. How can you work with classical texts and arrive at at a mode of thought that is that you could say is faithful to this tradition? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm already you know losing for words here, but that was my quest for the last ten years. Hanafism was the microcosm of my quest. So, the Hanafi school combined particular things that were fascinating for me: a sort of interest in a Salaf tradition, which started mm-hmm. meaning a lot to me, and a particular theory of rationalism which was grounded in in salafism all these <laughs> have to be explained now unfortunately <laughs> but it was a really fascinating knowledge tradition of thought jurisprudential thought and so for the last 10 years of my life i've just been trying to really grapple with how do you describe it how do you define it mm-hmm. how do you systematize it and how can you actually learn from these texts as opposed to what i've seen which is using the texts you know f- mm-hmm. you know the um in I feel we speak to the text sometimes as opposed to learning from the texts. So anyway, uh, very vague words, I'm sorry. You'll have to pick it apart as, <laughs> as you like it now. <laughs> so that's been my time for the last 10 years, really. Yeah. And I've been lecturing, very fortunate to lecture at Cambridge Muslim College for the last four years, okay. yeah. where I was given almost a blank slate to teach uh, Islamic law. So really, it was a really thought-provoking four years for me of really exploring the full dimensions of an Islamic legal tradition with a group of very smart students. Mm. So that was really, really good for me. NZF was a parallel journey for me over the last eight years or so. Um, Something about the idea of a National Zakat Foundation, just the word, Mm. just the title, it captured my, it almost summarized all of my journey, which was systematizing the institutions of fiqh. Mm. This is what it means to me, and maybe we can explore what, what, what I mean by that. And so I've been very close to NZF in various capacities. I worked there for one year uh, in 2016 as head of research and development, yeah. part-time, where I was working with local scholars to make a scholarly panel to mm-hmm. guide us in particular questions at uh, NZF. And so, uh, so, the, the, so coming into charity management, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's not the space I've been in, which is quite academic, but the idea of working to construct a fiqh institution, yeah. I, a fiqh-infused institution to develop community, it's for me, it's the summary of everything I've been thinking and dreaming and pondering for at least the last 10 years. Mm. So it's a quite, intellectually speaking, it's a very direct line. Although professionally, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit yeah. of a sidestep. Yeah, yeah, that's the it's really uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's the overview anyway. I mean, what what does so let's pack unpack some yeah, of those to unpack uh, a lot some there. terminologies maybe. Yeah. What does traditionalism mean yeah. for you then in that regard? Because I mean, uh, there's there's different kind of even technically qualitatively there's different meanings people use them. Even hadith scholars are sometimes translated as traditionalists or whatever. That's obviously what what do you mean by traditionalism here? 
Yeah, these are so these are such tricky words to unpack and they're very personal as well, mm. meaning they mean things to each of us in our yeah. respective journeys as well. Yeah. And it's not for me to own the term, you know, mm. which is, you know, we all have it in our own ways really. But I, you know, I went abroad to study a tradition of learning. Um the idea of a of a knowledge tradition is yeah, we are tapping into texts which have been taught yeah. for centuries which have been embedded into muslim civilization which have really informed the institutions of muslim civilization informed mm. their madrasas and the production of madrasas informed society they were the you know madrasas nowadays we think of them as things people do when they can't get a job you know we have a very particular <laughs> view of the word madrasa but madrasa was like you know the most powerful institution maybe in islamic mm. history because madrasa was the essence of law making because law today we think of law as something tied with government law in classical islam yeah, yeah. was outside of government mm. the madrasa was really the pillar of a legal vision of society the products of the madrasas which were the ulama they were sort of like middlemen between a ruling class and between the public So the madrasa then was a public representation which military commanders had to deal with mm. had to negotiate had to respect had to empower to govern society and so these texts which we study in tr- in these traditionalist circles texts of fiqh uh, fiqh is, m- is my interest or even these uh, you can say less public facing but still very important tafsir and then hadith mm-hmm. and obviously the more philosophical stuff the kalam etc these were these were really pillars of islamic history they're not just texts mm. and uh the whole history the whole political the whole ruling class in some odd way was subordinated to this tradition uh and so the tradition is powerful and it captures the imagination of young people when they yeah. want to go and study traditional learning and the only trick of tricks is trying to understand why you're studying this tradition is it to learn literacy in text reading which is what sometimes it becomes mm-hmm. or is it to really understand the, the thought patterns to really enter this world of reasoning and thought and argumentation and epistemology which mm-hmm. means a way of thinking a way of arriving at knowledge so you can be true to it where you are and so my whole passion of the last 10 years is to understand what it means to be part of a living tradition yeah and to inform that uh, that that's just the, my simple yeah. summary i always say you know when you want to uh, when you want to emulate someone truly or a tradition or follow a way you don't do what it says or what what you don't do necessarily what its founder did you would do what they would do had they been in your position does that kind of encapsulate yeah, yeah, yeah completely you know, Um and there's no 100% correct answer you see. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to also convey to people because some people have this sense of if you start thinking it's dangerous. If you stick to the texts it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. And what I try to impress on people is all of sacred knowledge is dangerous. <laughs> whether you're sticking to the text or whether you're thinking you're claiming something which yeah, is God yeah. says you should do such and such. Yeah. That's a dangerous claim which whichever way you're doing it. This this is the problem between that that ex- that um, old expression 
التقديم العقلي على النقل يو نو بوتينج بوتينج النقل على العقل يو نو بوتينج النقل بوتينج ترانسميتد ثينجز بيفور ذا عقل يا بيفور اي دونت اي دونت ترانسليت ان وان واي ديبيندينغ اون اتس ا لودد تيرم ذا بروبلم از ذا نقل از سمثينغ انديرستود اند هاز تو بي سمثينغ ات دازنت دايركتلي سبيك تو ا رياليتي هير ذس وات وي دو ان Sabil in the Sabil curriculum mm-hmm. at the Sabil Institute is it's it's like an epistemology of Islamic thought, right? Of splitting up the 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 process of coming to a conclusion. It's manhajul istidlal of dedu- deducing any meaning. It's not just okay. You have the text. You have the 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 sound. The texts that are sound in terms of their how they reached you. But okay, what's the intended meaning behind those texts? Number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But crucially, what is the correct or intended way to implement in real life the message or the meaning embedded within that text yeah and this is where so many people um uh, you know m- make so many egregious errors and and end up fracturing the ranks of the muslims for example by um thinking that they they're faithful to the texts thinking that they're faithful to a tradition or thinking that they're faithful to the sunnah because they or someone they they're following they they quoted a a verse they quoted a hadith and they're saying okay look this is what the hadith says therefore we are the ones this is the islamic position or something yeah i really hate that phrase <laughs> <laughs> this is the islamic position on whatever and then and insert you know some 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 new uh, kind of uh, reality that we haven't uh, kind of uh seen in the last 400 400 years this is the islamic position on that where you know it's an islamic position it's your attempt at an islamic position but it's I really annoying sometimes you know when people are so definitive so um i don't have a question really i'm just kind of trying to bouncing off that i'm really kind of uh, glad that yeah. you know this is a this is a thing that many people are studying and um or look forward to learning i think uh, it's good to segue and even and to what we're going to be talking about yeah. as well just because if you come to the understanding that the way the way i phrased it all of sacred knowledge is dangerous Yeah. Then the only path to safety is doing your best. It's not it and doing your best means a lot of prayer, a lot of turning to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah. and a lot of deep reflection. And you have to off the off the back of all of that study, you have to now move forward in yeah. what you feel is the right thing to do and that's not easy, but that's the only path of safety. That's where you meet Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and say I did my best. Yeah. Anything called safe, sticking to the text, a lot of that stuff is not thinking, and it's hard to say you're doing your best then. Yeah. So that, that's all I understand. But that segues into what we're talking about, which is mm. you take sacred knowledge, but what are you meant to be doing with it? Yeah. Uh, but there's there's a there's a bit of a uh, uh, there's a sweet spot, right? Like a yep. Goldilocks region where <laughs> you're okay, not necessarily saying that everything is so. One maybe extreme is uh, things are black and white. but there's another extreme mm-hmm. that all we see is gray right yep. yeah and that there's one way if you actually look at for example yep, one of the thing you said you got scholars together local scholars together to bring more minds alike it's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't leave fiqh open to even an individual scholars yeah. you know um, kind of ijtihad and 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 um, uh, sincere effort and and prayer and so forth he told us not directly but yeah. of course but indirectly look as a as a community as a body 
you are you know the the you can arrive at what my what my yeah. ruling is on a matter but as a body you know, bringing the ulama together for example but i think there's kind of two things here one is kind of a physical response and one is a mm. a spiritual response if i can say that one is the physical what i mean by the physical response is actually when you understand you can be almost confident or you should feel confident that you've gone through a process uh, by either studying introspection speaking to others getting some sort of consensus but you should be confident enough to come to a decision but then being humble enough to realize that you may still be wrong mm. and it's you know this having both of these at the same time because you want to be confident we need to be confident in terms of leadership in terms of guidance and and being able to understand what our next steps are yeah but actually having that humility that ultimately we are in sun we we yeah we're deficient yeah. you yeah. know so you know we, we, it doesn't become that definitive and then if you kind of have that balance the way you kind of teach it to others it doesn't become an imposition mm-hmm. but there's some things we need to be clear cut and hardcore on yeah <laughs> yeah but those are those could yeah. be things for example that the ummah never disagreed on yeah like quality ontologically that this is this is allah's uh ruling on something in a, in a, in a in a cosmic sense yeah when it comes <coughs> implementing that thing maybe maybe overruled because of another uh, you know mafsada or something like this yeah but you know like this fight devil's in the detail right yeah. everything you said you know being um you know confident uh, in your position uh, yeah being comfortable being humble and so forth like if you're saying okay um when it comes to choosing between two established positions then fair enough you know i could be right could be wrong but if you're saying for example none of them are correct <laughs> Yeah. Think you'd ever the whole ummah was wrong or, or <laughs> no, something like No, obviously, like, this, like you, know? you know. You see what I mean? So like five prayers in a day, you know, five obligatory yeah, prayers. Yeah, yeah. Last return. <laughs> 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 you need a drum roll for yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there, there has to be like a, an inner circle where, okay, we're not going to tolerate any any, any s- change in that. Yeah, but the confidence but is in the kind of public outfacing mm. and the humility is internal. Mm. Right, so you you have a position. This is why I came back to from a position of leadership, educating, guidance, and this is the position that you have. But mm. internally, you can have. So, for example, you know, some any of these discussions, there may be alternative views on it, right? And you can't say that you know each and every one, but you're firm on a position that's needed, that's fixed, that's there for everyone. Yeah. But you should have enough humility to understand. Well, look, I I may have missed something. Or even in mm-hmm. our discussions we haven't looked at everything but it doesn't change it outwardly it doesn't change anything mm-hmm. but it's a position of the heart because otherwise what happens is people become they almost become more and more confident in their view you know and then you lose the other side of it that you don't want it to be to the point that you're blinkered to there may be in another opinion which is what we, mm-hmm. we we've all kind of suffered from that and i'm sure we've all met people like that or even being Except like that me. ourselves <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is this, this is it this is the only opinion there is no other opinion yeah, on yeah. it you know um, and, and that's what we want to kind of counteract and balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's one thing just to say also that you remind me of is just the importance of being part of a scholarly c- community. And I think yeah. you hinted at that. Um, obviously, there's in the hadith of also that the hand of God is over the group. Mm-hmm. But even the word madhab, even in English, we call it a school of law. The idea of a madhab was actually a collectivity in every time and place. It was structured. Like you'd have a ra'is in Baghdad who's the ra'is of the Hanafis. So the idea mm-hmm. was... 
scholarship exists in a collectivity and that's where you get the safety from what you're saying yeah. uh, learning culti- learning is cultivated through exchange uh, islamic tradition is one of debate it is not one of agreement but it's through debate you arrive at these boundaries that you're talking about so i think one thing i always felt when i came back to the uk was that we have a lot of people studying to teach which is excellent but where's the space where they can cultivate that learning so they can mm-hmm. so they can grow because when you study to teach that's where you can fall into these binaries of i just know enough to tell them these these black and white statements but after my studying where is my growth going mm-hmm. going to happen i felt the gap we had in the uk was actually the absence of an ivory tower because an ivory tower is a place where experts can fight it out debate it out right rudud like rudud have a place it just might not be facebook but but they, they but they have a place you know <laughs> yeah. to refute to uh, so the idea is it's all online because so. <laughs> learning has to be cultivated in a community of learning and mm. i think one thing we i think suffer from here we have a lot of people studying in various pockets but we don't have enough healthy spaces where they can come together and Engage. healthily debate over something and if even with projects you know like the projects i think want to talk about today Mm-hmm. I hope these projects are sites for people to come together and discuss real serious questions because yeah. that's our gap you know if Islamic civilization I said if the madrasa is its great institution if the politics is buying down to an Islamic history it's the fact that Muslims have always cultivated the idea of a learned class and I think that's where we've missed a trick I feel so far we have an institutionalized mm-hmm. an expert space and i hope that various forums will you know will bring yeah. these conversations yeah. and they will give the boundaries naturally the boundaries of of what you're referring to of what's mm. acceptable or not mm. hey you join the show we'll get back to it in just a moment but i just wanted to let you know that our ramadan appeal is live right now and i'm inviting you to share in the multiple rewards of islam to nuancy we do so much more than podcasts so each donation you make could go towards up to 15 different projects and many of them will be sadaqa jariya for you inshallah national khutbah days national impact campaigns news responses featured articles short films islamic videos info- infographic series the list goes on you can't go wrong eh donate using the link below okay now back to the show so look let's let's uh, let's get into the 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 nzf kind of uh, part of the discussion now. so i think we know a bit about your your motivations and your 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 kind of a bit a bit of your history we've got we've got a mixture of the long version and the short version uh, but what made you take that what made you take that uh, jump to okay you you feel nzf is important you're you know head of uh, research and development but now becoming the ceo right how did that happen and, and where do you you know wh- how did you find how yeah, did, how huge. did that happen <laughs> yeah it's huge i'll be again um i d- i'm going to go into a longish version you got to in- yeah. interrupt me as well yeah yeah because i got a microphone here and it feels quite good just <laughs> yeah, to keep yeah. talking into it that's why we give everyone headphones <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what i want to point out is just that so like i said last 10 years has been this real thinking period for me mm-hmm. within the fiqh tradition last 4 years has been a real explorative phase for me within my teaching space in cambridge muslim colleges like i said it's been really really good for me and um the summary of it for me is that um fiqh yeah so i was reflecting recently about the isra and miraj um which we've been commemorating just last week and what's so fascinating is that the miraj 
is is a pinnacle. Yeah. It's the highest moment of for all of creation, for all of created being. Their highest moment yeah. is when the head of them, which is the Prophet Ali leads the prophets on earth and goes where the angels can't go. That's that's the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the end of the prophetic mission. Yeah. It was just the beginning of the next stage. And that next stage was the civilizational project of the Prophet ﷺ, building Islamic civilization. Mm. Right. Islamic civilization was the set of institutions which were the, a map and a model that really spread this faith across the earth. The faith didn't spread through one-on-one preaching. It spread through this civilization which the Prophet ﷺ struggled and strove and stayed up and fought and everything to give it its institutions. Because there was a logic, a convincing logic that these institutions had. The fiqh tradition for me is the map of the Prophet's civilizational da'wah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so for the fiqh to be real, that's what I, I concluded. I believe the fiqh has a sort of activism in it, which is kind of strange, but that's my latest thinking right now. Because <laughs> the fiqh, all of it for it to be real... It needs things to be built in society. Mm. Now, the fiqh imagines itself, in its cases, within a Muslim you know, ruled setting. There's a ruler somewhere authorizing. But ultimately, the institutions have to be there for the fiqh yeah. to work. So the fiqh of marriage and divorce can't actually function without the community mm. building institutions of qada, because it's just too intrinsic. Uh, so marriage is a community institution. And yeah. community has to safeguard it. Otherwise, these are just rulings. And we're all struggling to figure out, well, how do they work? Inheritance is a part of that. Nafaqa, you know, the, the, what the man owes the wife yeah. and so on. Mm-hmm. And so all of fiqh then is waiting for institutions to be built. Uh, I, we have a duty towards these institutions. So zakat is an institution. And zakat for me is uh, of the greatest institutions within, within the sacred law. It's something which I feel if we could serve it in Britain, I think it would Mm. form a foundation of the back of which many of the other institutions will be built. And so what is is it that fascinates me about zakat? Uh, Really, really simple points that everyone can get to. A, it's for for Muslims, which I always like to emphasize, that the zakat is not charity, simply. Zakat is building a tie. Of faith, and I think I think I think mm. really we have to explore that what mm. what that really means. The other thing is the aspect of zakat being local, and local is not the same as national, as as we can we can talk about right. Local, which all the fuqaha talk about, they, they've only mm. differed on whether it's obligatory or highly recommended. But there's no all the fiqh tradition sees zakat as fundamentally or in theory mm-hmm. a localized tradition. So zakat is clearly building <coughs> community building belonging, building ties. It's clearly, like all the pillars, it's a foundation to a whole host of social interest. We have a duty to have people who know local needs. We have a duty to understand how to help people. We have a duty to, to, uh, to make the brotherhood beyond a lip service. Mm-hmm. But it's faith-driven. It's not, it's not uh, activist-driven. It's not that if you're into this stuff, then, then you can build community. It's the fact that a pillar of civilized of Muslim civilization is you have to build community. Mm. And so all of the shara, all of the fiqh is about civilization coming together and then institutions to maintain justice, fairness, equity, and we're going to talk about that, how the riba fits mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. 
And so zakat, prayer, these are just the pillars of what it means to form this community. So all I'll say is zakat for me is a microcosm of what it means for this community to to come together, find strength in coming together, find meaning in coming together, find cause in coming together, mm. and find faith in coming together. Not for political reasons, not for strategic, because you know, when, when we strategize, only some people get it. Everyone else yeah. just gets on with their life. Yeah. But Zakat is saying, it's not strategy. It's if you're a Muslim, you have to come together. And so, so all I'll say is, I think if we... If we were to make a zakat system mm. in Britain, not a zakat service, a zakat system, which means that we're all a part of it, meaning the fact that I'm a Muslim means I belong to a network. Either yeah. I give in or I take out, but it gives me belonging. It's one of the, I suppose it's one of the markers of Islam being in a particular area. Yep. So you have these symbols right, of Islam in public. You have okay, some kind of zakat collection and distribution system. You'll have... Um, Sharia councils where people can have their, um, you know, uh, n- n- disputes kind of uh, adjudicated properly. Uh, you have the madrasas where obviously you know the, the, the teaching and so forth. And you have financial institutions as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing very quiet there. That was quite I like that one, one hell of a segue, bro. <laughs> You've just been sitting there drinking his uh, well, water. His <laughs> No, no, alhamdulillah. No, I, I was listening to um, everything that Sheikh Sayyid was saying, and I think, look, it's, it's really important when we talk about this connectivity. And um, when we look at zakat, almost if you s- see it as that kind of part of this entity, which is Islam, and when you talk about now about building community, it's something that um, it has its parts, but it's also the whole. And you see the zakat forces us to interact in a certain way. Mm-hmm. That goes further than perhaps even praying salah together, right? This is, uh, which is really interesting when you talk about the net givers and the net receivers. And so with this, it helps to build, to solidify, to really put something solid there in terms of a structure. Um, But also that responsibility, because you can pray right next to somebody and actually leave that prayer not knowing that person, not feeling connected to them in any way, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas through zakat, this is it's something because you're that so concentrated. My <laughs> khushu, obviously, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas well, through zakat, there's this responsibility that you're giving something up of yourself, and at the same time, if you're somebody who's receiving and you know it's from someone in your community, what does it do in terms of building the bonds? So I really understand mm-hmm. that element of it, but I think additional to that, there's so many other facets or so many other pieces within this community building. That are currently missing from mm-hmm. societies. Mm-hmm. So, we w- we were talking earlier, like about you know being on our own journeys and level of there's some level of activism, something that motivated you. Uh, there's something that motivated myself to get into finance. And I guess from a zakat perspective, it's looking making sure that you know no one's left behind, mm-hmm. right? Ensuring that no one's left behind. It's almost looking after kind of uh, the, the weakest or the most needy in society from one aspect. Uh, and when I look at um, tackling riba. It's trying to protect people from going into there, but at the same time finding a way to empower and uplift the Muslim community, so that you're kind of lifting people up wholesale. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of been your your vision in life, right? To helping people avoid riba, riba absolutely. and actually and giving some kind of positive uh, uh, 
financial power to the Muslim community. Empower, empower the Muslimin so that mm. at the end of the day, you know, we are, um, you know, we're uplifting society, we're helping people, we're, we're empowering them in every way. Because it's funny, actually, I was, I was um, looking at the du'as that we make in the morning, the adhkar of the morning. And one of them is we ask Allah to protect us from kufr and fakr, mm-hmm. poverty. It's interesting that those two words we use together, disbelief and poverty. Because most of the time, alhamdulillah, if you're in a good position, if you're eating, you're satiated, you've got a roof over your head, faith, alhamdulillah, we're okay. You know, we may thank Allah, but we're okay. We, we, you know, practicing Islam isn't difficult. But when you're in need, when things are difficult for you, when you've got no other recourse for help, it can come to an issue where mm. the decisions you make are, are potentially ones that have a hereafter consequence. Mm-hmm. And that means that we all have a responsibility to ensure that people aren't in yeah, that position. 100%. And so I would see from a riba perspective that the financial system under which we all operate is oppressive. Whether we can see it or not, right? it's oppressing people. And the fact that Allah tells us anyway mm-hmm. that this you're at war with Allah and His Messenger, وسلم, that should be enough for us. But you can see on a practical level, the most downtrodden in society, the ones most need of financial justice, are the ones who are treated the worst. They will have the highest levels of interest placed on them. They will have it compounded. Mm-hmm. They will come after them. And that's that that was for me is something, wait a second, this is fundamentally wrong. But at the same time, we need to have places for Muslims as the talent grows, our Muslim, mashallah, as they become more educated. Where are they going? Where is the best of their ability? Where is the best of their education, the best of their you know, efforts going to? And if it's to build up all these other companies who are agnostic mm-hmm. to, to raising what we're doing, then there's something wrong there. Versus having Or they're contributing to the system. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Where the most... Brothers from Imperial mm-hmm. <laughs> end up anyway. <laughs> Financial institutions mm-hmm. or banks or whatever. Of course, you know. and, 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 and that's the reality of it. And and we have such a, a kind of um, such a sanitized relationship with charity. We, we'll go in, we'll earn money in in a way probably that's displeasing to Allah, and we make ourselves feel better by just giving some charity. We don't even know where it's going. We don't think mm-hmm. about the charity. We, we we let alone giving it with our own hands. And so this is why it was good. Uh, it was really interesting to have this conversation, Sheikh. So that mm-hmm. it's the two elements of it. On one side is the empowering, protecting our wealth, and it's ironic that both riba and zakat mm-hmm. mean to increase. Mm. One is in a pure way, zakat, and riba, which is in, 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 a, in a cancerous, in a, in a cancerous, filthy, dirty way, you know. And mm. the cancer is such a, it's such an apt word for it because it spreads everywhere, you know, and, and then it slowly and it spreads you. with the logic. You yeah. can't but that, they, that that you can't stop. I mean, the current system, there's no stopping it. That's right. Until it kills the host. Exactly. That's the and cancer. And that's the reality of, of it. And so it's it's having these two positions, understanding actually, we need to come together. We need to take ownership for mm. our community, and, and 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 that's even first of all recognizing that we have a community. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and, and this is a part of this discussion. And welcome to our next segment, which is You've Been Served. We asked 100 people, um, or somebody asked 100 people, I don't know exactly if it was us or not, <laughs> from people behind the scenes, 
Uh, two questions, uh, something roughly to do with finance, you know, for okay. the topic of this episode. And uh, you get scored based on how many people uh, had the same answer as you. Or in other words, you have to guess what the most common answer is. Let's go with Sheikh Suhail first. Um, name something that a person might do if they found a wallet full of money. Take it to the police station. Take it to the police. Our survey says... <laughs> bing. That's really depressing. Uh, that, so it's that's fourth, the last... It's the... That's the last... Com- yeah. That's the fourth uh, yeah. highest uh, answer. Uh, Omar. Yeah. Keep it. Um, nobody actually said that. They're lying. Huh? <laughs> That's the first one, man. Well, no, the first one is spend it. How are you going to spend it if you don't keep it? Spending is the opposite of keeping. Exactly. You can't have your cake and eat it, bro. <laughs> That's wrong. It's off. It's off the chart. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you keep the wallet. Is you, you don't give it back to whoever. Shall we give that? Shall no, we give that to him? Let's, let's get the. Yeah, let's yeah, get yeah, an outside definitely. observer. Where's the audience? We need yeah. a judge. Yeah, let's know in the comments <laughs> if uh, if it's a boo or a yay. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's give him that one. Yeah. Back to you, Sheikh. Look for the ID of the person and call them. And our service says. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Final guess. Uh, if you find a wallet Yeah Full of money Yeah Something a person might do Hand it into the nearest shop um, I'll give him that eh? It says uh, Hand it into a lost and found Kind yeah. of thing So some kind of Lost property Lost property A thing. shop Come on A yeah, shop Yeah well I'm going to give him the opposite The people <laughs> are like moaning That oh spend it And keep it No no Hand it in Ontologically <laughs> Opposite things obviously the, yeah. the emphasis is on the handing in <laughs> Yeah yeah Handing so, in isn't it it's Yeah so handing in Some kind of authority in. So when I said hand to the police That should yeah. be higher on the scale yeah. it, it should be But I mean these people I don't know These are <laughs> very um, Kind of uh, I think the rules Have to be spelt out more They're not upstanding Members of of Next society who've been <laughs> filling I, know, I know who we're dealing with here. <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, Imraj and the Mandem. <laughs> so your last answer is, so we've got spend it. Well, yeah. we don't really have spend it, but you know, you know how that <laughs> uh, Send it to lost and found. Give it to the police number four. And number three was give it to charity, mm. which is no. probably not halal. That's out of the fiqh books. Yeah, no, it's it is. Yeah. It's out of the fiqh books, that yeah. one. If you Okay. Yeah. Once you do your whole announcing, uh, exactly, oh, let okay. them know. For a year. then you give it to charity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Nice. Mashallah. All right. Second question. Go for it. Omar, this because you get first bits of bigs on dibs on this. Name a game show that gives away lots of money. Who wants to be a millionaire? Oh. Who wants to be a millionaire? Our survey says, one. "Ping." That's number one. Oh, man, Good you're one. gonna say that as well, wasn't you? <laughs> okay. The, uh, the, the chase. The chase. Our survey says also ping. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know what that was, but it's there. So that's number three. Who's number Back two? Time. Name a game show that gives away lots of money. Deal or no deal. Our survey says. <coughs> <laughs> Sheikh Suhail. 
This is brand Name new. a game show that gives away lots of money. This is brand new one. I don't know what it's called. It's Ant and Dex uh, giveaway. Unlimited Ta- giveaway. Big takeaway or something. Big takeaway. Takeaway giveaway. <laughs> uh, our services. It's brand new, so it's definitely correct. It's a correct <laughs> answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably you know, after this at. survey was made. <laughs> it's probably released after the survey. Yeah. Should we do another round? Just let them keep guessing. Go on, Omar. Money given. Uh, Name a game show that gives away lots of money. Bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> and our service is. <coughs> Which other game show gave you the chance of winning a speedboat? One hundred ninety. There's money. There's my boat, bro. Sheikh <laughs> Sohel. Uh, Name a game show that gives away lots of money. Catchphrase. And our service is. Catchphrase, yes. So that's number one, first, second, third, fourth. Okay. So how, what, what have we got so far? There's no one on the computer thing. Uh, generation game. Uh, is that it then? I think we're exhausted. Do we keep yeah. going? No, no, no that Until was Until we lose will, live to, will to live. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What was the Okay, last the last one was... Number two was Wheel. Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Fortune. <laughs> oh, yeah. Number three was the chase. Number four was catchphrase. Number five was Bruce's Price is Right. Oh, nice to see it. See you nice. Mm-hmm. Good game. And good game. Six was pointless. Pointless is a bit the like one this game. Do you think, therefore, that Zakar, okay, so, I mean, there is obviously an intrinsic link between Zakar and being wealthy because Zakar is. <laughs> You know, broke people don't pay Zakar, <laughs> basically. So, I mean, one one way to, yeah, one way I, I think about it sometimes is we want to make people Zakar bill as big as possible, yeah, i.e. because then they're contributing more mm-hmm. to the Ummah than and also they're you know they they they're financially uh, well off. But then I think, wait a second, isn't it a bit stingy of me to just keep thinking of Zakar as for uh, you know, zakat just two and a half percent, as my contribution to, or s- the Muslims' contribution to, you know, um, uh, the, the the problems that we see around us. I mean, I see, I remember this um, um, Radio Four kind of debate. I think some some moral mm-hmm. philosophers kind of talking about, and there's a lot of non-Muslims apparently do this that they, I- I- rather than giving a percentage of their wealth for charity, they think. What do I need to survive comfortably on? Say 20k a year, whatever. And anything they earn beyond that is given to charity. It's like oh. the opposite of what we kind of do, right? Yeah. Because they're, they're motivated by just... The, uh, one Australian philosopher, he said, okay, look, imagine if you're, you're walking down the street and you see, uh, by a canal, you see some kid drowning or something. Yeah? Um, and you're wearing an expensive $200 suit. Would you jump in? To save that per- that child's life, and everyone's like, obviously, yeah. Which is how all moral philosophy questions start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, yeah. Duh, we talking about. <laughs> then he's like, okay, wait a second. What if that kid's really far away? So you're willing to sacrifice that two hundred dollars worth of suit to save that child's life? What if he's in a different street? Um, yeah, why not go try and save? What if he's in a different city, country? He's on the other side of the world, and now you start to think. Oh wait a second! <laughs> I see where this is going. Yeah. Right. And one of our, uh, I remember we, we, when we were studying zakah with Sheikh Haytham, for example, yep. 
he, after the, the, the zakah is finished, the topping, he said, there's another thing that the fuqaha has discussed, which is, what are the other, beyond zakah, what else is obligatory, what else is due mm-hmm. on your wealth? Because it's not just zakah, in, zakah is just normal, in normal circumstances, zakah is the only thing that, you know, you, you're, you're uh, obligated to pay. But, if there's a crisis, if you can see someone dying mm-hmm. in front of you, yeah. are you going to say, oh, I've given my two and a half percent, right? And people, and he was like, this is a very extreme opinion. And uh, we were thinking, well, it sounds really, sounds, you know, why is it extreme? And he was like, because if it, if this is truly Allah's ruling on this, that means we can't even have chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, because this is beyond our needs. If you can... Uh, and if we were on the other side, if we were on the receiving side, we would certainly think want people to hold this position that, look, if there's literally people are dying of preventable diseases, of you know uh, simple things that we can pay, mm-hmm. it's something that if we th- start thinking about it, we'll start th- agreeing with the logic morally, but we'll start trying to silence that voice inside us that brings us kind of moral anxiety. Uh, it's a kind of like a coping mechanism, you know. Th- there's a book, really good book called "Vital Lies, Simple Truths: The Psychology of Self-Deception." I forgot who wrote it. Uh, maybe we'll put it on screen now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, it talks about how even kind of uh, in, in our central nervous system, these the same um, neural pathways, the same uh, neuromodulators are employed when it uh, as they are in like if you in you're in a massive accident, you break your arm or whatever. You don't your your pain sensation is blocked out. Those same pathways are employed when it comes to moral anxiety and pain. Yeah. That's why we'd rather automatically we 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 stop thinking about that thing. That's why when the the Oxfam or NZF or whatever advert comes up on your screen saying, "Look, this person is dying of hunger. You can you can help them." We'd automatically rather just change the channel or think about something else. It's a, it's a kind of reflexive thing that we we will actually um, reduce the volume of that 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 uh, thing in our heads. And but it's yeah. it's really uh, uh, the reason I'm saying this is because zakat it, to me it feels like we should be giving much more than just our zakat, right? And zakat feels like just the bare minimum safety net, you know. To bring people up, to stop yeah. them literally kind of d- dying of hunger and thirst, or you know uh, things that are that are very very important, okay, very crucial and urgent. But we should expect our community and ourselves to go way beyond that. So we have like a zakah, which is the safety net as a community, and then encourage for projects, for da'wah, yeah. for all kinds of things. Right? We have we have this. National Sadaqa Foundation, <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. What do you think? I mean, cause that's yeah. where I, I feel a bit of. Uh, it's not like a maybe. I'm not saying it's like a fiqhi mm. argument or whatever, because technically speaking, yeah, it's, it's understandable. Most fuqaha would say, yeah, go with the, the closest first and so on. But I'm talking about the spirit of the case. It just seems qualitatively that it, this is should this should be for the very the most dire uh, first, but. Those who are close, those who are our commu- local communities, we need something beyond zakah for, you know, for 
for their Can needs. I say something on this actually. I was going to say. Look, then I'll jump in afterwards. Yeah, hundred percent as well. Yeah. One thing I've noticed around uh, from my experience in the in the city and working with different professionals and even actually just generally the charity sector is this thing that and even being involved a bit fundraising is the first question pretty much always asked is is this zakat eligible right is this zakat whatever you know subhanallah you will see someone and it's coming back to this point you're saying that if someone's there in front of you that needs help why is your automatic response is this zakat eligible and i think it's uh, symptomatic of a wider issue of how we see wealth and our almost greed or lust for it this is the reality of it that we want it and it doesn't matter how we get it and so we kind of minimize all of our charity to zakah and we try and force everything through zakah and, and, and this is the problem really because if we say that we're charitable people and you know speaking to different charities the majority of the money that they raise is zakah right but let's really? just say is yeah, that true? Yeah, they say at least 50 to 60% a lot. The, really? Yeah, the big charities. Well, it makes sense for you because your name is... But yeah, That's quite depressing, man. Exactly. So if you think about it, right, and we say 2.5% is a guy, let's just say it's equal. Does that mean as a community, the max amount of charity that we give is 5%? There's, there's something wrong there Because we're supposed to be people who give And so this is what I'm saying Is our relationship with money and wealth Has now become that we really hold on to it Right? That we want to gather it And so then when an opportunity for charity comes it's Is it zakatable? And the response of those who work in the sector I think reflects that as well That it's been okay Well we know that they're going to give us money and, and this is not about NZF, I'm saying generally the response mm -hmm. has been Let's find those projects and how do we ensure Because there is khair in some of these projects To actually wait a second, we can use a car Because we know it's coming, it allows us to build inst institutions And infrastructure and, and there's something People ask us as well, Sam Trinity sometimes Can we give the car? I was like, no, what the hell is wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> but, but, but you see, what, you can see why though, isn't it? Because they've just been thought that their charity, they've made zakat and sadaqah synonymous, yeah. and actually, it's it's not the same in that point of view. From that point of view, well, it is maybe in some classical epistemology, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you know what I mean, though, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> that zakat becomes our only our own interaction with charity. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I think that's part of the problem. Mm, mm. If I can just take another angle, though, but I mean, confirming whatever you've said, but just to just to hit one thing before we go further, which is just that zakat. So all of the five pillars they have something in common, which mm. is that they are they 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 are doable. They are little in in com in comparative effort. Like the obligatory prayers, the only difficulty is getting into the habit. It's mm. like fifteen minutes a day. the The idea of the fard is it's a little bit in effort. And it's huge in consequence. That's why they're the greatest acts. That's their that's their barakah. That that's the blessing in them. And so we have to understand why did the sacred law make zakat not just a small amount in comparison, but it's not on all of your wealth. As as the as the the way the fiqh had uh, described the uh, the items mm -hmm. on which zakat is on, 
It's only the items which are fundamental to human economies, things that people are trying to grow. So it never comes after your home, however many homes you have. It's not coming after your cars, however many cars you have. Like it's really a very specific institution coming after, mm. if you're a farmer, just a portion of your growth. If you're an animal herder, just one of your babies that your cows keep producing every year, it should be feel like a haircut. You snip it, but it's always mm. coming. Yeah. And so all the rules of zakat are constructed in such a way that it shouldn't be threatening. It's something that should be easy to do, yeah. but when you systematize it, it's great in consequence. Mm. And I think at some level we have to celebrate that as well, because although we're talking about people who want to squeeze things into zakat, I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of our community don't pay zakat. And so the idea is, what about them? So the idea yeah. is we have to m- emphasize the ease of it. Mm. I was at a khutbah last week, and, this, and the, the, he exactly gave this point, which was a wife called him, uh, a lady called him up saying, please speak to my husband, he, he doesn't pray. When he spoke to the husband, he said, why, why don't you pray, like, you know, when you come back from work or something? And the guy said, because Isha has 17 rakahs, I, I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he told them, no, 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 just do the four, you know, so he kind of yeah. broke it down to the fard. And then he said, the man started praying, then he became talibid, <laughs> you know, one of those, those rags to riches stories. <laughs> but it started by focusing on the fard. And so we kind of have yeah. to have that message, there's a, there's a wisdom in the sacred mm. law. And if we could reach the people who don't pay, and the other reason why people don't pay is, A, it seems so little. They feel like, well, I give to my mosque, or I do X, or I do Y. That's why we have to celebrate, A, the ease of zakat, and we have to have a discourse on the purpose of zakat, because we have to show people that it is mubarak. In the the words of the Holy Quran, one seed makes 700, zakat Mm -hmm. is blessed. And it's blessed for you, and we have to emphasize the blessings for the giver, mm. but, it's, but it's growth, you know, it means growth. It's growth for the community. I mean, the Muslim community in Britain, we have a disproportionate number of Muslims in prison, right? 5% mm. Muslim, you know, public population, about 20% prison population. A lot of that is to do with what Omar was saying. It's that faqr, yeah. being poverty, being underprivileged, not having the same access to financial advice, to literacy, you know, financial literacy and other things, leads to bad choices. We have to solve that. Uh, we have about 50% of Muslims uh, who, are, who are technically, by definition, in poverty. There's something in the barakah of zakat, which it's easy, it's doable, it's not threatening, and if we all did it, we can address really serious issues. Mm. So I don't want to pass it over by saying, because it's easy, let's, let's go somewhere else. It's that there's something in the fard of it that we haven't owned yet as a community. It's a thing you do if you feel like it. And again, it's very yeah. s- uh, sterile. Like you send it off. You know, it's not like prayer. You know, you know prayer and zakat, mm. salat and zakat are the two big pillars, right? That come again and again. Yeah. Salat, you have, you, know, you have a sense of, oh, I had a good prayer and a bad prayer. You know, I'm trying to work on my prayer. Zakat is such a sterile thing. Where's the equivalence? And the equivalence is a narrative we all have a duty to build mm-hmm. about what it's building, belonging, community, care, responsibility. Those are, uh, the idea of zakat is those are our kids in prison. Those are our nephews making bad choices. Yeah. That's all in the, in the narrative building. What is zakat teaching us? I just want to mm-hmm. just say we've got to grab that as well, in addition that, to the, the extra. Is that really the purpose of zakat or some of the ben- positive consequences of zakat? Because I'm always thinking of, you know, the illa uh, hikmah, you know. Is it, is it the actual cause of a particular ruling, the thing that Allah intended 
to as, as from from a legislative perspective, or is it one of the many wisdoms that come about from like salah? You know, people, you know, people are like, oh yes, good exercise and salah brings all the community together, and you know, it it, it to let you clear your mind out of uh, you know when you're when you're kind of stressed out, busy, whatever. Salah it does all of those excellent things, but is that the purpose of salah? So for me, I'd almost answer yes on the community part of Salat. Mm. Uh, I, I just wrote a draft article just yesterday, actually, uh, for an academic blog on this, that when you look at Salat through a fiqh book, mm. we always complain. There's no section on fiqh saying, please concentrate. There's no spirituality <laughs> in yeah. a fiqh discourse. But there's something else that's really central, and it's Salat as a social pillar. If you look at the fiqh book of fiqh from the beginning to end of Kitab al-Salat, there's no doubt that Salat is the pillar of Muslim civilization. And mm. we're sitting next to a mosque, and I always like to emphasize, we can't, um, which way does it go? We can't overestimate. I always get them mixed up. We can't yeah. overestimate, or is underestimate. Why don't you tell us the sentence? <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it might be setting up for a double negative. <laughs> we can't over... Uh, <laughs> We'll anyway, carry the one. let me underestimate normally it is used. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> the point is, the power of the mosque. Yeah, it, there's no. There's, it's symbolic. Why the mosque was the first thing the Prophet Ali built in Medina. Again, built meaning dedicated a space for the mosque. Because the mosque is not just about your spiritual personal thing. It's about finding community. Again, imagine if you go back 30, 40 years. It's an immigrant community. Yeah, we came. You know, people came to this country just just to make a living, and there's and they're strangers. They don't know anybody. The mosque is the first place, which is a faith hub, meaning I'm here because I'm a Muslim and I know you because you're a Muslim. And so the mosque becomes the melting pot of yeah. a Muslim identity. That's why over time all the charities are around the mosque and all the restaurants around the mosque and all the halal meters around the mosque. And in every traditional Muslim civilization, the market, yeah. the biggest market is next to the central mosque. So the idea is prayer is society building and there's no doubt about it. Or mosque, the mosque is. Well, the mosque is the institution of the prayer yeah. because the prayer, uh, or, well, you to argue. establish prayer, you're yeah. meant to establish the mosque. To establish prayer, you have to pray together. If you're in a family, you pray mm -hmm. together. You're at work, you pray together. You're in a city, you pray together. Yeah. And then Jum'ah yeah. is the pinnacle. Where in Jum'ah, in the classical fiqh, there's meant to be one Jum'ah per town. That's like a hardcore uh, idea. yeah. yeah. And so it's really is saying, everybody, I don't care if you're uh, Salafi, Sunni, whatever, you're going to pray behind one imam, otherwise your prayer is invalid. Mm. And so the, all of the rules of Salat, if you really think about it from beginning to end, it's different forms of bringing community together under God. And so if you look at it through the whole fiqh, there's no doubt that zakat really is the brother of Salat. If Salat is really bringing you together in a physical space, that you are a community, you are a brotherhood, mm. I personally feel that uh, we might not have had these charities if there were no mosques. So the idea is, because a mosque was built by an immigrant community, the kids had a place to study Quran and to get a sense of identity, off the back of which we are we are we are the mm -hmm. um, we are the benefactor, we are the recipients of this grace, mm -hmm. and the grace comes from the mosque. And so I just want to we can't. It's interesting. Mate. Let's get this mixed up. Yeah. The power of the mosque. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, and so for me, there's no way to not read zakat like this. Zakat is making sure the community <coughs> you build in the mosque is not lip service, but there's a financial space now that you're all sharing. By definition, by the fact that you're praying together, you have to look after each other. You have to know about each other. People shouldn't suffer in silence. 
again, the, 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 Quran, the Quran highlights who is the most worthy of our sadaqah. It's the people that don't ask. How on earth are you going to do that without mm-hmm. building c- community? So for me, it's almost categoric. You cannot read the fiqh without seeing zakat as a community-building institution. That's where the Why local comes in. Why can't it just be generally like the masjid? The masjid is an institution. It has the prayer, but it also has, you know, uh, community come together, children, mm-hmm. people resolving disputes, military mm-hmm. stra- strategizing, mm-hmm. whatever. Likewise, soup kitchen. Soup. <laughs> likewise, giving is an institution. And zakah is like the prayer, like it's a very specific, mm-hmm. highly regulated thing. But don't forget all of these yep. other things. I, I think we're maybe we're saying similar things, but from a different angle. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely thinking, with you. Yeah. Why we, why do we need to force X Y Z into zakah when we can say no no no, zakah is the 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 very specific strict right of Allah and right of specific people, whereas don't limit the use of your mosque just to prayer. Don't limit use of li- the your giving just to zakat. That's what I think. We're, we're, we're I guess we're also the point um, I was making was is very important that there are many people who don't even give zakat, and yeah. so it's a bit like the one who isn't praying at all. You start with the fard because that's the yeah. immediate obligation, and so it's kind of reconnecting them with that obligation because it's an obligation first and foremost. And then it's, well, look, what's the purpose of it? Maybe they, they'll begin to understand. Uh, and then also those who already engage, for example, that person who's already praying, can he improve his prayer? And so you're building on yeah. the zakat from there. But it has to be a block as part of a, a wider block. And this is why we say zakat is one element of it. Sadaqah, waqf, and even how you do commerce and business. Yeah. All of it. It's, it's interesting, the point you made earlier at the beginning, you go, it's almost as if we want people to do really well, so we create lots of zakat. I would argue, actually, I think of it the other way around, that we get to a point where there aren't people that we need to give zakat to, almost, mm-hmm. from one element of it, if you take it from you know, those that who are most needy. And, and this is why kind of giving them uh, kind of a, a, an honourable way of life where they're working and they don't need to get zakat. So it's, it's kind of different the way you look at it, because definitely yeah. as an institution, mm-hmm. as far as we want to give it, and they may even get to a t- point where... We we have it, but we have no one to mm-hmm. give it to. Um, so it's it's different ways yeah. of looking, but it's definitely a block, and it's probably I guess a foundational block, which is why you're probably emphasizing it, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, from that point of view. But we do need the There's other no blocks. There's no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. And one thing just also reminded me of is again, it's just seeing again prayer and zakat as foundational institutions. What's interesting in Islamic history again, the prayer in the beginnings, exactly as you said, it was where the armies used to meet in the very early, mm-hmm. the early mosques of Kufa and Basra before they used to go, you know, eastwards. So the idea was, it really was a hub of of many sorts. The first mad- madrasa, I said, uh, as this cool word of the first law mm-hmm. colleges were, were were in the mosque. Then they became colleges. Yeah. So yeah. the mosque was, as far as I understand, was the birthplace of public social serving institutions. People formed them in mosques, and then they became separate. And my suspicion is zakat is similar, because when you look at Islamic history, when, when I met with Omar last time, it was quite funny that everyone who tells a historical story about how great zakat was, they stop at Omar ibn Abdul Aziz normally. <laughs> you don't really hear you know, all the great stories away in the past. Yeah. Is it because zakat wasn't great afterwards? No, I don't think so. But I think it's just like we said, it made a foundation 
of what it means to be in community, look out for each other, and to be well-managed in your charity to build the community. Off the back of that, many great institutions, primarily the Waqf, took over, meaning they were the fundamental feature of Islamic civilization. But they need a peg. They need an idea for people to get the sense of the power of charity, the power mm. of, commu- of community development through duty. Yeah. So my suspicion is that if we could get zakat as a system here that people really feel a part of, they feel the change, they feel the responsibility it teaches yeah. them, they feel that we're helping our youngsters, we have a more sense of ownership for our own, which is what the zakat is saying, naturally it, it gives energy then. For how about the awqaf? How about a waqf for this and a charity for that and a dedication for this? That's why I said that the pillars are, are blessed and my hope is zakat isn't everything, but my hope is if we can get it into yeah. people's sense of what it is, it will just drive what you guys yeah. are talking about, a spirit, a charitable revolution in, a, in, a, in yeah. our communities. Because when they really get a sense of the power of giving and the power of what they can leave behind, you know, mm. of, of legacy. Hey, it's me again. Just had a thought and I was wondering how many of you watching this podcast know that Unscripted is just one of our products. Did you know that we have 15 different projects, each working towards our vision to see every Muslim confident impact in the world? each in a unique and different way. If you didn't know this, then where have you been? We do this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and even this. If you didn't know that, then I know what's wrong. You're not connected to us properly. You're missing out on all our updates. No problem, the simple fix is you need to get onto our mailing list quick and follow us on Telegram, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, not just on YouTube. Hold on, how many of you have subscribed to us here? Come on, how else are you going to catch all the other podcasts, short films, reminders and series that we produce on here? Hit the subscribe button and the bell icon and go to the description right now to join us on our other platforms to catch all the non-video projects that we do all year round. You know, I'm smiling because I actually use Zakat as a benchmark when I'm talking about the purity of our income. And I speak to people and I say, of your wealth. How much of it is actually zakatable? That if we consider how you've built your money and the lifestyle that you lead, because there were people who would speak to, subhanAllah, they'd have huge houses, lots of nice cars, going on lots of holidays, yet their zakat actually, by a technical definition, would be zero. Because it's, it's all. Because it's all in crypto. <laughs> it's, all, it's all predicated <laughs> on debt. It's all predicated on debt. And so if we say so, you know, if you if you owe money, then actually they have more right to your zakat and so on. And you actually realize, wait a second, the two should go hand in because Allah is pure and he loves what's pure. And actually, if you think that, wait a second, you're giving something that belongs to Allah. Can you give him something that was made in a illegal or a haram way or isn't acceptable to Allah because it's not done in the correct way? And so when it comes down to it, Somebody who could, on the face of it, seem to have lots of wealth, they're actually they're paupers. <laughs> actually, they are the ones mm-hmm. who are poor mm-hmm. because they can't even give zakat. And someone who has much less money, but they're able to give zakat. And, and so this is why it's the lifestyles that we lead, the debt-based lifestyles that we have. You imagine that it disconnects you from fulfilling an obligation. Mm. Let alone then the same people when they want to go for Hajj and they say they can't go for Hajj because they're in debt. So obviously the scholars will give them different rulings to allow them to do these things. But from a pure perspective, when you look at it, 
actually, wait a second, if you're in debt, you know, you shouldn't. That person has more right to your money. Your money that's earned, the house that you're, huge house that you're living in and all of this, it's all debt. So what, what do you actually have? And you've been cut off from yeah. fulfilling these, these obligations, subhanAllah. So uh, it's interesting because I use that zakat as an anchor to say, actually, mm-hmm. when you look at your wealth, how much of it is actually zakat? How much of it is, is, is really yours? Exactly. That's what, that's what you're getting Exactly. At. And so just to get them to think about it, you know. I think we have to explore this debt thing now, just because. Uh, so you've, you've hinted at it, but I'd like, you, I'd like you to maybe present it in a, in a complete way now, which is that the Holy Quran clearly makes a sets zakat against riba in a, in a, in a, in an opposition yes uh chronic verse uh, in wama ataitum min zakata whatever you give of riba or usury yes. so it can grow through the wealth of people it has no growth with god wama ataitum min zakatin turiduna wajhallahi faulaika humul mudhaifun but what you give of zakat seeking god's being uh, that's that's mercy for translation. There. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. Yeah. Over there. It's okay, we'll dub over it. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the ones that really multiply. So, just to be that's really right. explicit for the audience, that the Quran is explicitly that's setting zakat against riba. Yeah. And both of them, people do it seeking growth. And the Quran is explicit that riba has no growth with God. Right. And zakat has multiplied growth with God. Is that zakat in that context, in the tafsir, is that referring to zakat who's understand today, or is that referring oh, to? Oh, that's a sharp question, that yeah. one, because <laughs> not just a pretty face. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say not even that. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, it's an excellent question, just because mm. the surah is surat, uh, unless I'm mistaken, surat rad, which is which is which is Meccan. And so you've talked about this earlier, this interplay mm. of zakat and sadaqah within the Holy Qur'an. Mm. So zakat here in this verse probably is ch- charity in general. Yeah. There yeah. was a sense of obligatory charity since the f- earliest Meccan revelations that you, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. owe a duty of care mm-hmm. to the needy. But as institutionalized, the yeah. way we've been talking today, yeah, that, yeah. that, that, that yeah. was in Medina. Well, we just, well, I mean, I'm always const- kind of careful of anachronisms and you know, yeah, trying yeah. to... So, uh, no, that that was a very things, yeah. yeah, very 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 short. But, I mean, it's it's very uh, deep. But, how, how point is but I wanted there. to yeah, we just what just to let you really flesh it out for mm. ourselves and certainly for people listening as well. What are the ways that riba and zakat are opposites mm. from from your angle? Because what I loved what because me and Omar we first met virtually uh, for this sort of collaborative meeting. Hi, I'm I'm Wahid. I I'm NZF, <laughs> and he. <laughs> <laughs> And he introduced his work within like 30 seconds. And it, it was like it, I became his fan like within 30 Shaman. seconds. Don't know if he does that within all of his work <laughs> meetings or was that just a one-off fluke? Yeah. You get a close-up of his but face. <laughs> <laughs> He's but he was like, uh, I don't remember how he said it, but it was like, you know, so I've, I've run that's Wahid. The, that's the thing with these corporate types. They have the, the <laughs> elevated pitch on. Uh, but his pitch was, I'm here to protect people against an oppressive system. It wasn't about I'm helping people invest their money. Mm. And as soon as he said that, I was like, you know what? I'm here to help people realize their duty so they can be protected against an oppressive system. Hashtag not and sponsored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was like, wow, that's, that's how I'd love to make my 30-second pitch. Yeah. And so there's an opposition in riba and zakat. And just your investment work 
and the zakat building, it, they are intrinsically tied. But just in, in your sense, how would, you, how would you convey this opposition? And you've talked about debt, because I think that's central here. Absolutely. It's, it's, look, I think at the heart of it is, first of all, protecting people from falling uh, foul of this oppressive system, really uh, bringing people back to what really is of value. And, and this is when we're talking about zakat or sadaqah, this is based on assets or equity, something real. And what we we live in a time where debt has been made to seem like it's an asset or it's something of value. And that's what everyone's falling into. And so on one end, you have the, the people right at the top who base their success on debt and they live a life predicated on debt. And on the other end of the scale, you have those people who live day to day based on debt. And, and so the system as a whole is one that only benefits those who are really wealthy, actually. And it just pushes and applies pressure on those who are most in need of help. And you may not even realize it. You get caught up in the system and it's, subhanAllah, you see with other forms of sin, like if someone drinks, we'll call them out straight away. If someone eats haram, you'll call them out straight away. But we've become so blasé to riba. That someone will say, yeah, I've got this mortgage, or I bought my car on finance, or I work in this institution, as if it doesn't make it matter. But these are the institutions that create money out of nothing, that devalue what you have. People are talking about inflation and the impact of inflation. There's a direct correlation between inflation and interest. The houses that we're trying to live in, and everyone's talking about buying a, getting a halal mortgage and so on and so forth. But actually, the reason that the houses are so expensive and out of your reach is because of credit supply and interest. This is our kind of first world interaction with interest, and it's oppressive. Mm -hmm. Let alone what it does to the rest of the world, the developing world. That you have countries, subhanAllah, who make more than enough, more than enough in terms of wealth to look after the most impoverished in their, in this, in their countries, in, in their societies. But because of interest, they're so, they're so busy just paying back the, the interest on debts yeah. that they've had that they're never able to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And so the entire financial ecosystem is based on selling you something mm. that you think you need. And so what's a want becomes a need. And then giving you the ability to get it and then tying you down and in fact effectively enslaving you through it. And so what we see is not actual freedom, it's enslavement. And how many people do you speak to? I'd love to be able to do this, but I've got to pay my mortgage. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you don't even, the problem is, and then the other side of this is depression. Why is depression so high in, in, in places like where we are? And especially in men, actually, the rates of depression is much higher in men than even in, in women. Because this kind of keeping up with the Joneses, we, we, we have to have a certain type of house that we live in. So w there's nothing saying that we have I to go live there. New glasses. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> so you put yourself into pressure, under pressure, to aspire to something. And that then drives you, drives you mad, mm. subhanAllah. And, and, and so this is exactly yeah. mm. the piling up, mm. and this is it. You see, and, and we're paying into this system, we're flowing into this system, and and, and this is the, this is the issue with it. 
And this is why when we talk about zakat, subhanAllah, and why I love the truth, we know the incident or the hadith of the Prophet sallam, where the person who is the guardian of the orphan, and uh, he came to him, the Prophet and asked him, what are you doing with the wealth of the orphan? The guardian said, I'm not doing anything. And the Prophet said, invest it, or it will be you know, reduced by zakat. So on one hand, it's talking about investing, growing in a pure way. And the other is also about actually, even the wealth of an orphan has an obligation of zakat on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is important for us to know because all our pockets of money have have an obligation on them. And so this thing about investing and growing, and actually, if money is circulating in society in the right way, it creates jobs, it creates honor for people. Mm-hmm. Instead of having this thing where we just give charity, and actually, you know, the person who's asking for charity, they may be in a difficult situation. And the Prophet even said the person who's asking for it is better that they work. So for you as being someone who supplies work and allows them to earn their money in an honest way, isn't that much better? And, and from the higher aims of the Sharia? Beautiful. Yeah, you know? So zakah accelerates the, the natural decay of anything. Anything that, I mean, um, and that's the one link between zakah and, int- and riba. Uh, you know, Tariq Diwani's book, the first chapter, The Problem with Interest. Really like it's really confusing when the first few pages are like, why is he talking he's talking about the first law the first law of thermodynamics, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or second law. One of the laws of thermodynamics, uh, that the universe tends towards chaos. Everything tends towards decay. Entropy increases, right? So he's like the riba is 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 so out of place in this universe that it's something by virtue of its own self increases rather than decays. Right? Any any natural wealth that you have you have to actually input energy into the system in order to preserve it. Otherwise it will just decay. The 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 sheep, the, the livestock will just wander off. The, the 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 harvest, the grains would, would decay obviously, the harvest would just wither away. You have to input energy just to keep it up at at a yeah. at a fair level. And Zakah is eating away at that, almost giving you an imperative to not hold wealth. Exactly. Right? To actually uh uh, invest it to 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 provide capital, to provide loans, good loans, halal loans for people. You know, uh, trying to lift themselves out of poverty. Uh, so there's just one thing that came to my mind in terms of the the the, the connection between zakah and uh, riba. So one is a an increase via decrease, yeah. <laughs> the, the literal decrease leading to a, a a cosmic increase. And one thing is uh, the riba is not to point at you, but it's like <laughs> thanks, bro. <laughs> I have to point this out. We're not. It's not like riba versus the guy. We're both on the Who's same side. Lose, it? <laughs> so yeah. riba is a is a literal attempt at an increase, but uh, you know, a cosmically, uh, you know. And this uh, was the point I was actually making earlier that actually a vision we'd have it was imagine if uh, we didn't have or there wasn't anybody who was eligible for zakat. Because you've deployed your money in such a way that it's taken care of all of the different categories. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine something like that? SubhanAllah. So the person where you would have given them zakat because they need help. Actually, you've employed them now. Yeah. And so there's somebody who receives it. It's just, a, and, and this is how the two always go hand yeah, in hand. Yeah. But Allah knows us better than we know ourselves. So and even... Give a man a fish. You yeah, know. exactly. Very ironic. Etc. Yeah. <laughs> Not just saying that because we're in Tower Hamlets, <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's a, um, you know, this this concept of actually, um, 
and you maybe throw me off my point there completely now. Good at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> had, um, but you know, the the zakat actually um, taking people away from that if they are benefiting from money being spent in the right way, mm. you know, all of it being deployed in the way that it should. Subhanallah. And then actually, the, the point I was going to make was that Allah Azza knows our nature better than we know ourselves. And even in the verses of riba in Surah Baqarah, Allah Azza talks about the prohibition of riba. All the preceding verses are to do with charity, mm-hmm. actually, and knowing your relationship with wealth and it not being something that enters into your heart. And actually what's better for you is the hereafter. So it's kind of preparing you for it. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if this doesn't sway you, then here are the rules. Yeah. And so even when we talk about, at the end of the day, you know, giving to all of these causes, doesn't matter how emotional the arguments, doesn't matter how well thought out the arguments, ultimately, look, it's still a responsibility, it's still a fard, so you have to give it, you know. This is one thing you reminded me of in in this chat as well. It's it's a thread from the way that we started, which was just, we, we owe a duty to ourselves and to the public that we're serving to think really deeply about the w- the wisdom and the meaning behind the shara'ir. We talked about it in, in zakat. It's if you really <coughs> think about the zakat through through the classical fiqh, through the tradition, you really get a sense of what it's creating, what it's building. And the same with riba, because if you look at zakat as 2.5%, it's nothing, it's not significant, it's sterile, you get it out if you want, otherwise whatever. Riba's the, the same. It's, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just getting a house. It's just a little bit. I'm not feeling impressed. I'm feeling empowered. Look at the free world. It's very easy to have a personal view which doesn't see any of this stuff. You, you feel like you're top of the world. But we need to have a systems view. Mm. Yeah. And that's our duty as people who serve the sacred law, people who serve the community. Within all of the shara'ah, this is what I'm saying, all of, the, all of the fiqh, all of the sacred law is a vision for society. Yeah. And that's why all of the fiqh pushes to something... In my most recent thoughts, I'm calling a sort of activism that mm-hmm. you have to have a care about the world and a narrative for the world. Otherwise, the riba is too easy to pass off as not harmful. That was that riba. That isn't this riba. Yeah. Whereas this riba is the nastiest of all the ribas because it's systematized. And Global. the first time it struck me was, again, when I was doing my Islamic uh, law course at Imperial College. Uh, just when Islamic I was law course in Imperial. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Uh, Let's double check that yeah. CV again. <laughs> it's late. It's the late. business and information Should systems in a month. Oh, no. Let's just think, cut that bit out. I should cut that point. The uh, at uh, Cambridge Muslim College, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a very imperial kind of college. Yeah. So. Um, when we really went into riba and, and I really did my readings and thinking of how to present it, mm-hmm. you really get a very simple sense of how destructive the current system is, like, like, like a systems view. Because yeah. the idea is that in our modern economy, money is born with a greater debt than the amount of money. Yeah. So as we produce money in the economy, there's a much greater debt produced as that money is brought into the economy. Mm. That's a social pressure. Because what does it mean? It means the people who make up that economy are under the pressure to pay off debt, to to monetize the world, to monetize relationships, to To, pay off debt. To continually increase. But then more money will come with more debt, and that's why Mm -hmm. it's a cancer. That's why it's so important to have a systems view of riba, because you can't separate it from any of our problems in the world today. If you think about the the environment, Mm -hmm. how do you solve the problem of the environment 
it's not simply by preaching love of trees and love of animals. Because however much you tell people to love trees and animals, debt is telling people you have to monetize the world. You are pressurized because you've yeah. got kids to feed. You have a house to... It's just survival in a debt economy means you've got to monetize the world. Because if you cut the trees, you get money out of it. A tree sitting there isn't useful to pay off your, yeah. your debt. And so even in the environment is under the burden of riba. Yeah. And, uh, and there's no actual solution to this because the riba will continue until it consumes. Human relations, that's what also real, human relations are under the burden of riba. Because um, if you look in the, the old world, right? I mean, old world meaning when, when we were kids even, or just, you know, earlier. Yeah. If, if, uh, if, if, uh, if you have to go and do something, the neighbors look after your kids. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Now we want to monetize that with yeah. babysitting and, you know, you know childcare is a really big business. It was not a business, you know, some decades ago. And I'm not saying people are evil for doing that. It's the pressure of, again, Riba wants to monetize human relations. Yeah. It wants to pit us against each other. Tutoring. Tutoring's a huge business. It wasn't, you know, in the old, you know, just go back some decades. It was yeah. just you sit with your uncle or you get a friend. It, it, was, yeah. it was part of community. Yeah. And that's where Zakat, when we said it builds community, that's all the growth you get. All these wonderful services of being in community. Riba is the anti-community. And, th and th that's what I realized. It's a very mm. simple layman's terms. It will monetize your relationships. It will break up your homes. It will attack the environment. Atomizes. Because it atomizes. That's yeah. like Riba is atomizing. And Zakat is mm. bringing, bringing together. Uh, and that's why I think it's really important that we just give people a systems view of, of the sacred law. Otherwise, you don't, mm. you, you don't get it. No, it looks mm. like it's that it, does, it, it doesn't apply to us. Yeah. And yeah. this thing about actually activism, it is, it's, you know, it's a really good point to make because now even I've seen it in the Dawah and when we talk about getting people more involved, engaged in their communities, I've seen it like a trend, in the especially in the last five years, where doing some sort of good work, you ask people to do something, you get the, the the question back. What's in it for me? This was unheard of. I, I'm not. I, I'm trying not, trying not to sound nostalgic, or we came from some sort of golden era, you know. But genuinely, I, I think there is, and there's an issue of ISOX and challenges with those, etc. But just now, everything you write is trying to be monetized. Mm, mm. Um, but the, you can get whatever you want right now through the you know proliferation of things like Klarna and PayPal credit. Oh, that's um, really good. Right? No <laughs> <laughs> percent. Right? So you can get whatever you want right now, <coughs> but then actually you want more. Yeah. Because suddenly that thing that you couldn't get before where you'd save up for, now you can get it, but you want more, so you need more money. And so you start to see everything through a transactionary lens and you try to monetize all of these relationships. Yeah. And, and, and that's absolutely right because even though it's not percent, yeah. if you read it, the number of people who actually go outside of the 0% is very high. Mm. And they have that clause, if you miss one payment, 30%. Yeah. And they know it. They know human behavior. Mm. You know, I, I'm conscious of time. I've got one question uh, that remains. And it's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> so be careful how you answer this <laughs> No one. pun intended with yeah. loaded, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, you mentioned, okay, the masjid. Okay, the masjid is such a, a beacon of uh, a, and a symbol of Islam. It's so many uh, important community building um, activities, that the civilizational building activities. Why, why can't we give zakah to build a masjid? 
<laughs> I think you, that you see where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying what as as in a you know um, uh, like a, uh, a rhetorical que- question, mm-hmm. but what do you think some of the wisdoms are yeah. in the Sharia of having such a probably the most important public symbol of Islam and as far as I know I don't know Ijma or whatever but gen- generally speaking that what we always uh, grew up hearing was you can't you know the masjid you can't pay zakah towards yeah. the masjid zakah is very specific very strict categories masjid is if he can't pay for it from zakah I'll give you an interest free loan <laughs> <laughs> For how many months? <laughs> exactly. Is the loaded the follow-up part? Yeah. Like what he really wants yeah. after the mosque? Is that <laughs> the sort of funding? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. So I mean, the the straightforward answer, yeah. Within the classical fiqh, it's very very hard to justify uh, spending the zakat on any of any of these projects, mm-hmm. because the zakat is about people investing in people, and. Uh, Again, the way I'm going to say it in, in, in the way that I've been uh, discussing it today, it's about building community. Uh, so that's, that's what it's building ties of care. Uh, there was a really wonderful passage we, we just did yesterday uh, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lesson I, I, I was in, which was, um, it was a Hanafi book why it's disliked to take the zakat abroad, unless it's for, within the Hanafi fiqh, you can take it abroad if you think people are in greater need or your family, otherwise it's disliked. And when he explained why it's disliked, he said, he says because you squander a right and the right is the right of neighborliness which is a, a duty you owe so the idea is zakat is about human beings building those ties building the community mm-hmm. and it's not about enriching the rich because as soon as you get into zakat for building you are then then it becomes circulated within the rich because you know my friend here for example will keep building mosques I'm uh, the zakat guy. I'll keep feeding him all the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the idea is, as soon as you, you know, that's what's so tricky within the zakat. When it becomes institutional, it's very easy for it to circulate amongst project people. Yeah. And that's why the rules of zakat, you know, in their very restricted rules, they they just protect the wealth and therefore they protect the project. Uh, that's the bottom. The other thing about the, the mosque as well, the mosque of the Prophet Ali Salatu Salam, it was exceedingly simple. There was no carpet, there were no concrete pillars, and so you could build the, the most. Again, it's one of those tricks, right? I get all the money, my man builds the marble mosque, and he and he gets all the mm-hmm. all the cut. Mm-hmm. Mosque to do all the fancy things, all the great things mosques need to do. It's just literally a space. Yeah, it doesn't need a carpet. It doesn't yeah. need the concrete pillars. It's just a space. Which no human being can claim to own. This is the mosque. As soon as you claim to own it, this is not a mosque. And so it's rather the significance that we are bought, that we have to create, not the, mm-hmm. not all the uh, economies that we that we build around it. Yeah. So I, and I think it's interesting. Actually, what Zakat enables you to do is build the jamaa, correct, and not the building. And because you can have a building that's empty, and Zakat yeah, really protects you from that. It's actually building the people mm. that bring them to the mosque. And then the mosque is the second institution that then allows you yeah. to do it. Because the thing, is, I, I was in a mosque the, the, the other day and people were there and I said, well, there's a lot of people outside that don't think it's worth their while coming to the mosque. Zakat is meant to facilitate that because the idea, again, of these pillars is they cast a very wide net that if you're in need 
and you believe that there's one God and Muhammad is his messenger, we owe you a duty of care. So the zakat is a very wide net of, of belonging. And so it's just this, um, it's this sense of wide welcome. Yeah, that I think uh, that we have to uh, emphasize by building the the jamaah. It's not my narrow group. It's yeah. not my ideology. And it's not my building friends who are building yeah. great things. It's just we all are in this together. And whoever wants to join is welcome. And we will look after you. Mm-hmm. Again, this is mm-hmm. the civilizational da'wah. Yeah. That if it's a system, it's nice to belong to. You feel really proud no to belong behind. to a system, and and you want people to come and join. So there's people who don't feel they find what they have what they want in the mosque. Let the zakat bring them. And then let them find uh, the mosque in the process. What do you mean the zakat to bring people? Yeah, this is interesting because what I'm fascinated by is if we can make mosques centers for financial care. This is an interest of mine that I'd, I'd, I'd like to explore uh, mm-hmm. through, uh, through the work that, that I'm doing right now. Because the idea is, if we're talking about localized zakat, mm-hmm. th- again, why is the zakat local? It's that... It's not just a transaction of money. It's when I come to get it, I have to meet someone. And that someone I- is, is in a place. And that place might have a place of prayer. It might have a place of food. So I was in uh, Bradford with one of our partners, Bradford Foundation Trust. And what was so amazing was they work a lot with these refugee communities because the Home Office sends a lot mm. of them to Bradford because it's cheaper for them to house them there. And I was there observing a case. So like there was two families came. They came from Iraq. They came in a very scary journey here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, at knife point actually when they realized there was a boat and a this and that they didn't want to come but they were forced to come it was a very odd uh, traumatic yes. journey they had just come they had kids so the home office gives them um, a, a hotel yeah. sort of room and food and, and that's it uh, and so they came to the center to get some vouchers so they could do some shopping buy some clothes and some food and so you come to the center because you have a need but once you come there, the center has, has other mm. services. Mm. And, and they said, because they, they've come as strangers in a hotel. They don't know anyone. And they're scared. And they have children. Yeah. Yeah. And so the center says, like I was there, they said, oh, we have a mother and children's group on Thursdays. Why don't you come and, and mm. then you can meet people? So the idea is zakat is part of an infrastructure of faith services. And so for local zakat to really have its power, it should be that... You come for need. Local or Bradford. And you, <laughs> <laughs> you come for your need, but you find yeah. a community. You find prayer. Mm. You find lessons. You find food. Yeah. You find brotherhood. You so aren't alone. All of this mm. is part of, for me, the wisdom of zakat and, and the rules of zakat. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, if uh, having so the zakat... So people who are obviously, uh, you know, um, would be considered part of the zakat categories, uh, the fuqara, masakin, it's not like you're paying people to come to the mosque. <laughs> <laughs> Just so as a, as a, as a uh, you know, but disclaimer there. <laughs> but also, you look at the, um, the, the great kind of uh, counter check and balance it provides. If someone's part of the community, then you also see that if you give them zakat, how they're actually spending it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you right. know, this is a point because yeah. this is a big Step criticism, point. isn't that? You know, Step if you give people a car, makes a good like, oh, nice car. New car bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see that actually how they're going about their business. You're right. They're that's in the a, they're in the community, angle. you know. But at the same token, they will also see that actually, if there's someone else who's more in need of them as well, mm-hmm. you know, that they're able to then actually say, "Wait a second, I don't need as much as a car." And this will only come. And also protecting them as well, their honor. 
you know Allah will protect us and we're talking about refugees and I remember this thing they're saying now about the Euro- Ukrainians that they're not coming from a war like uh, from people who are destitute they're from middle class families etc etc and suddenly they don't have anything yeah but this is happening in the Muslim world but it can happen to any of us they say that most people are only three paychecks away wow. from being kicked out of their house so it could happen to Anyone So imagine from being that person Where you're mm. the breadwinner Where you're providing for your family Suddenly you need to ask For money Like how that must feel Subhanallah yeah. Now if there's any way in which you can Kind of Protect someone from that You know Then surely it, it, It's going to be through a mechanism Where you know what's happening around you And we were saying this earlier actually One of the discussions And Sam and myself had Was that When we were younger We were growing up And we'd, we'd go to each other's Like you know you, People's houses Even as a child You knew Which of the families Were more well off than others You had this sense of Which families weren't doing as well They had You know Less stuff in their and house Which families committee just came in Yeah exactly <laughs> We just got the That's a problem, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A good one. Exactly And yeah. so And this is it now But because we aren't Seeing each other We're a lot more nuclear In the way that we are mm. we're, we're time poor or, or you know We're a lot more materialistic This is the reality We want to spend more time In in an insular way We're not in touch with each other anymore And so we lose that sense of responsibility You know And this generation And each generation that comes I think is moving Further and further away From that sense of responsibility mm. So all of these things Are kind of packaged together When we're talking about Community and activism And re-engaging Reigniting zakah And challenging riba It needs to be seen In terms of this whole yeah. Kind yeah. of ecosystem That we need to operate in And everyone has a part to play in this and welcome to muslimic countdown uh we're gonna have a <laughs> a short round of countdown uh gentlemen uh, let's see how far up you get on the leadership bo- uh, on the on the, the leaderboard right. uh, of this series inshallah so sheikh uh sahel you can uh you can our lovely um, Carol Vorderman is uh, over there. You, all you have to do is ask for a vowel or consonant. Uh, go for it. Vowel, please. A vowel, please, Carol. Yeah. A. Do you want to take turns? Go on. Yeah. Uh, vowel, please, Carol. <laughs> I. Consonant, please, Carol. S. Imagine if we got spelled out as a card. Yeah. Uh, consonant. <laughs> H. Five more left. Consonant. Another consonant. H. There's two H's now. And I will say a consonant, please. Ooh. M. Shakes the hell. U. And uh, consonant, please. L. Now, before you choose the last one, um, remember that once the thing comes, the thirty second starts. Okay. Yeah, and we'll have a little. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. So it's thirty seconds. Yeah. I mean, I know you. Um, we all uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think the next it, one I will writing. choose is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, what was the time? <laughs> right. Yeah. So should I choose one then? Go. Go. You might as well. 
Consonant, please, Carol. Consonant, and the final consonant is Z. That was just oh. oh, goodness. A waste of time. Okay. Okay, pencils down. <laughs> now uh, you you need you're gonna say the longest word that you have. That the letters, the number of letters in the word. What's the number? Five. Of five. You got yeah. five letters, and you got a. Everything was four for me. Four. Yeah. Okay. It's What's the five? Males. Oh yeah. yeah oh, you one. copied me. Okay. Oh, very good. Funny, I actually wrote a few <laughs> words down. You just wrote one <laughs> after glancing over at mine. <laughs> Okay, males. He's, he's, got, he's, he he's got a bit of a rep. He's from, from Imperial. Yeah, yeah exactly. We <laughs> Your four-letter one was? Yeah, it was male. I didn't think male. of the males. Yeah, it's <laughs> always do a plural. It's always a good... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was yeah. a good one. Good idea. I'm going to want to come back on the show again now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to practice he's, this. He's cheating home. doesn't get any better. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> If you find... Uh, audience interaction. If you found a longer word, then let us know in the comments below. And we'll yeah. give you a special prize sponsored by Wahid Invest. Yeah. Uh, now the the numbers round, oh, no. ladies and gents, and gents. You can play at home as well. Um, choose. So if you look over there and just lower your gaze for the the bit on the right. <laughs> <laughs> From our. So you could say, okay, can I have? Uh, so you have six numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, you say, can I have one from the top, two from the middle, and three from the bottom, for example? Go ahead. Uh, no complex numbers here, unfortunately. Yeah. No. <laughs> the simple functions I. My peak was in primary school, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway, give me a, a top one. You have 50. Uh, one from the middle. Nine. One from the bottom. Ooh. One. Uh, another one from the top, please. 100. Another from the middle. One, again. And last one is me. I'd say from middle as well. Mix it up. Four. And your target number is seven hundred twenty-three. And oh. the timer starts now. What's the highest number or the closest number you got? I've got 702. 702. Amory, you have? Uh, mine was way off that. Okay. I was, yeah. Like What's your working? Mine? Yeah. I've got 9 times 100. Which is 900. Take away 4 times 50. 4 oh. times 50. Yeah. 700. But That's then 700. Then, oh I, then, okay, I add, I then I add two, 702. 
Okay. I cool. went for the 100 plus 50 is 150, plus the 9 is 159, plus the 2 is 161, times 4. <laughs> <laughs> You win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Someone, what'd you get? 76. I got 700 and I just got 700. I was uh, speaking to Mahmoud. Yeah. You just wrote this. down 700. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote 723 actually. <laughs> okay, so Zakullah Khan and Sheikh Sohail and Omar Suleiman, thank you very much for coming and. Uh, um, well, put your names up on the leaderboard somewhere on screen, okay. maybe. Uh, we've only got two people so far, so uh, you guys <laughs> really have a <laughs> shot for making a number one spot at the moment. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll stay up there. Yeah, yeah. Mashallah, <laughs> Okay, Zakmul Khan for joining. Uh, we we'll hope to continue the conversation. Khan, it was, uh, it was, it was a future. great pleasure. Inshallah, thank you. It was very a pleasure. Much. Pleasure was all mine. Uh, and Zakmul Khan, and to you at home for watching as well. If you like this podcast, give it a like and a share. And remember, us, remember to. Uh, get involved in the comments below if you agree on something disagree about something uh, let us know uh, Omar will surely uh, troll through the comments and, <laughs> and and respond can I also say if people can contact you if they've got comments if they want to especially like university or the workplace if they want any help on how to calculate zakat they can get oh, it or, help. or if they want to know how to protect their money from riba then let me know inshallah Excellent. Uh, I've been your host, Salman Bhatt. Thank you very much. Zakmul Khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.